Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 101. If you've not listened to episode 100, which we recorded last week, we gave you 101 running tips. Head back, listen to that show, and if it helped you in any way, maybe one tip helped you, maybe none at all did, but if one tip helped you, then please head to your podcast platform, rate and review us, and that would be super, super helpful. My partner in crime is not here this week. He's currently running through somewhere in Jordan, I think Wadi Rum. Um, smashing himself in the Ultra X Jordan race, which is a five-day race. We talked about that a few episodes ago, which again, if you've not listened to, head back, listen to Rob Jones talk about that and why he is running Ultra X Jordan once again. We also have Project DXB coming up, which the applications are closing on the 10th of October, which if you're listening to this before, is very, very soon. This comes out on the 6th of October. You've got four days left to apply Project DXB is our marathon or 10K program, which works you towards the standard chartered Dubai marathon or 10K, or for some people, a 10K marathon. You can be an absolute non-runner. You could be sat on the couch right now listening, thinking, I wish I could run a marathon or even a 10K, and we can help you with that. You could also be a 320 marathoner looking to get closer to three hours. Maybe you're a three-hour marathoner looking to go sub three. We can help you with that can't quite help you go sub two but we can definitely help you go sub three maybe sub four as well all you need to do guys is email me endurance at innerfight.com and i can send you our application form or you can head over to our instagram at if underscore endurance and we can dm you the link on there you fill in a pretty comprehensive questionnaire then heads over to our coaches we have a look and decide whether you would benefit from our project dxb program we don't let everyone in. We only, we sort of vet everybody through this questionnaire, which asks you a lot of questions about life. You should have about 20, 30 minutes free to answer them all. And we're not looking for the best runners either. We're looking for people who maybe are looking for something else in their life. Maybe they need running. Maybe we can sense that they'd have a real passion for running as well and to help other people because you're going to be within a group environment. And we will then invite you to take part in our project DXB, which is three months long. You do about three or four sessions a week. It's all very, very achievable. Today's show, we have a guest named Phil Sutherland. Phil is the founder of a continuous glucose monitor company called Super Sapiens. This company, you may have seen them on a lot of athletes throughout this year, especially at the Olympics. They put little white discs on your arm, which is the CGM itself. That's the continuous glucose monitor and they can give you an insight into your fueling and other areas which we discuss on this show, um, which you just would never imagine you could get or would ever be able to have got before. Um, it's a really, really interesting topic. And I ask Phil some questions that hopefully give some interesting insights into how really this can be applied to anyone out there at all level of, of sport. Um, unfortunately, it's not available here in the UAE at the moment. And it should be, hopefully, very soon. You'll hear at the end, um, Phil talk about hopefully getting it over here. And you'll also hear how I end up on a clinical trial as well, which will be quite interesting. I'll keep you guys updated on what's happening there. But blood glucose monitoring is something that I've sort of played around with in the past and, and found very interesting. And I think it can be highly applicable to most of our listeners. Most of you guys out there could, could all benefit from this. So I wanted to get Phil on. I wanted to speak to him, pick his brains of how it can be useful. And I hope you find it interesting and yeah, take some use away from it. So please welcome to the show, Phil Sutherland. Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. 
Phil, tell us a bit about you, your background, and then we'll go into why you're really here to talk about. But firstly, tell us about you. Yeah, uh, I've got uh, highlights of life now, or father of four, um, older daughter Riley, and then three young boys at home. And uh, that keeps life in balance at all times. I love to ride my bike, do it as often as possible. Uh, I keep crashing uh, in recent times. And so I've now got three fingers that are all bandaged up. But you know what, if, if you're not ri- crashing, you're not riding hard enough. That was the principle growing up. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I've had type 1 diabetes since I was seven months old, uh, obsessed about glucose as a proxy for performance for the past 33 years, played all the normal sports a kid would play. But yeah, I just, I, I love the sport of cycling. I uh, love the bike, uh, run a professional team, Team Nova Nordisk, which we've raced in a tour of Dubai, tour of UAE a number of times. Um, so come to the region quite frequently. And yeah, I'm just you know, passionate about using sport as a platform to change the world. Uh, I've done so for 16 years with Team Type 1, Team of Nordisk, and now we got Super yeah. Sapiens and this new technology to change the world of sport and let the world of sport change the health of the world. It's pretty cool you're using a sport you love to, like you say, change the change sport worldwide, not just cycling. Yeah. Tell us about then what you've just mentioned, Super Sapiens, which is a, a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor. And I'm sure people, even if they don't, if they don't realize what they've seen, they've probably seen one of these on an athlete's arm and thought, what the hell is that on there? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at Super Sapiens, you know, we're trying to empower athletes to achieve their goals through, you know, optimal fueling strategies, right? And uh, for so many years, people have well, I need this many gels at this time, or it's all been guesswork as to how you fuel in, in pursuit of goals. And at Super Sapiens, we're proudly uh, using Abbott's, Abbott Laboratories, their Libre Sport, Lucas Sport Biosensor, or Libre Sense, excuse me. And that's technology that's been around you know, for nearly 20 years now. It's been used by people with type 1 diabetes to dose insulin to manage diabetes. And now we have um, a unique partnership with Abbott that allows us to bring it to the sport world. And, and so I think, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's not like this miracle pill that you're going to take and go faster tomorrow, right? It's, but it's a window into your own body to where you can find out what foods, when foods work, when they stop working, how long they last and kind of find out where you feel best. Right. And we've seen the likes of Elliot Kipchoge, Jan Ferdano, Gustav Eden, um, you know, Chris Froome, find out where they feel best and, you know, adapting their training accordingly, uh, winning some big races this year, uh, I might add. And then we find that they've got sports scientists that work with them day after day after day. You know, I think where we add the most value is for the weekend warrior, uh, for someone like myself, father of three, who's trying to ride and, you know, be good on a group ride when we get a chance to be out there um, and just help you feel appropriately. And it's, it's been a really powerful tool for people. Uh, you know, it started you know, bringing us to, you know, the athletes of Team Nova Nordisk, you know, who'd been, we've been using sensors and racing UCI races since 2008. Um, but it wasn't until we got the data from the sensor to the bike computer that we said, wow, like all the things we thought we knew that we're doing wrong and the changes we made as an all diabetic team um, will not let us have our most successful year in history. And, you know, I wanted to bring this to market. It was the best invention I ever had. Um, and I just kept hearing from more endurance athletes without diabetes that, you know, I bonked before I'd buy this. I've 
screwed up my fueling strategy. I'd buy this. I'd buy that. And, you know, introduced the concept to Abbott. And then they thought it, you know, it was just timing was everything. And they said, yeah, let's, let's bring this to the broader, broader, broader world. Um, so it's, it's been a fun journey so far. Learned a lot. You know, we're in a startup, so we're making a lot of mistakes, learning a lot of lessons, um, and just really relying on our customers to help tell us how to build a better product that serves their needs um, rather than ours. What was your light bulb moment when you were like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do here? Well, we, we never know exactly what we're going to do, but... Um, <clears throat> That's a different topic. No, I mean, the, the light bulb moment was was really when I was using it, right? I mean, I, I was the first to have access to CGM on the Wahoo Bolt. And yeah, it was just like, you know, I've been obsessed about glucose when it comes to performance. I've had a sensor in my arm for every bike ride I've done for the past you know, 16 years. And in two weeks, 15 days of seeing the data in front of me, you know, I learned exponentially more than in the previous 15 days. I changed everything that I was doing from a fueling standpoint. And I was really educated, you know, and I'd had a lot of data for how to fuel. And yeah, and so it was like, there's value to this, right? It's if I've learned this much after having been obsessed with glucose for so long, then for sure we can educate the rest of the world and help people have a better experience, uh, you know, when they're out there in sport. Um, so that was kind of the, the light bulb. But then, you know, and I think you'll, you, you know, at first we came to market to prevent the bonk, right? That was, that was the thesis. Like we can help athletes prevent the bonk, prevent that epic bad moment. But as we started putting on more athletes, like a, a woman who'd done, you know, three, two Ironmans in the past, and she missed her goal. Like she was fit. She did every training her coach told her to do. Um, and we put one on her before her third uh, Ironman. And we realized she was hypoglycemic all the time. Right. And she had had two epic bonks in the runs in her first two Ironmen. She missed her goal by three hours. We saw she was hypoglycemic right, constantly, you know, told her to double her carbohydrate intake for the three days leading up to Ironman. And she went on to, you know, set a personal best and broke, broke her personal best by three hours. She achieved the target that her and her coach aligned on because she had enough gas in the tank. And that was kind of, that was an aha moment of, ah, it's not just about fuel on the bike or in sport, but it's about how you fuel, you know, around the clock that really drives towards performance. So looking at more of a holistic, you know, round the clock tool for athletes and for people uh, just to validate, you know, validate the decisions they make, or at least yeah. get insight into you know, what decisions you make and how those really impact your body. So just so we're clear for our listeners, we're talking about here, a continuously monitoring glucose within the blood and normally, or previously in the past, you would you have machines that you prick your finger, you take a blood on a, like on a little slip of, it almost looks like paper, but it's not. It's like a microchip on one end and a reader on the other. You stick it in the machine and then it tells you your blood reading it, but it gives you a snapshot at that moment in time. And then you might have to ride another three hours, wait for the car to get to you, do another one. And it's a very clunky way of figuring out how you're fueling. Whereas what, what you guys have developed is something that just reads constantly. So it's always in your arm and it's constantly saving data from your, blood which then transfers over to an app on your phone and then you're able to see a consistent real-time range of your glucose yeah i mean it's with the blood glucose testing it was as you said snapshots throughout the day with a continuous glucose monitor uh we developed by abbott and then we have the insights you know and analytics on our app you not only get to see where glucose is but the trend of where it's going you know is it going up 
well, okay, I need water. Is it going down? Okay, I need gel or energy. Um, and it becomes more of a more of a movie, you know, and a movie with some insights that are coming. So, you know, what's the old adage in sport? Eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty. Well, now you have a tool that tells you exactly when those moments are coming. Yeah, yeah. So we've obviously seen it on Olympians this year. We've seen it through like some incredible athletes that you mentioned at the start. Jan Frodeno's using it. You've got cycling champions. You've got triathlete champions. You've got people in motorsport using it. What are we learning from like everyday athletes? Let's sort like, you know, listeners listen to the show. Like why should they, they're not diabetic. Why should they care about their blood glucose? Well, you know, I, I think if you take the time, if you, if you prior, if you're, uh, if you prioritize exercise in your life, right, you want to make sure that's a good experience. And what we've seen in the data of our you know, 7,500 users to date is that 45% of the time that people are active for an hour or more, they're underfueled. So that's a person who's not going to be the best. I mean, you, you might have a lactate threshold of 300 watts, right? Um, but if your glucose isn't you know, in range, you're not, that's not your threshold anymore. Your threshold could be 270. You know, so we're seeing up to 20% increases in power output from fueling optimization. And we still have, a, it's very early. So we have a lot of work to do from the science, the data, the analytics to like fully vet these you know, claims. I'm not making any claims at 20% power, but we've seen in a number of individuals that when they increase their fueling uh, and they stay in range, that they perform better and they feel better and they reach their targets more consistently. So, yeah. And then on top of that, we've seen, and we're not a, we're not a weight loss tool, right? But you know, Chris Froome has said one of the biggest reasons he used this was because it helped him to lose weight getting ready for the Tour de France. Um, and so finding out where your optimal glucose is, right? There's priming, which is, you know, the lead up to exercise. So you want to fuel appropriate in those times. Then we have a different set of targets for perform. You know, we call it our GPZ, glucose performance zone. And yeah, I first learned back in 2006 in the race across America using CGM that 140 to 180, we feel really good. And we thought, you know, that was for diabetics. But now what we're seeing in the data of these elite athletes and even amateur athletes, that 140 to 180 is actually the optimal zone for performance for everyone. Uh, it's been quite fascinating to, just to see. So how do you fuel from a priming perspective to stay in the zone when you're performing? And then, you know, what's one of the most important facets of uh, becoming a better athlete? And that's recovery. And, you know, we know that if glucose goes above 140, it causes insulin um, infusion, which leads to greater inflammation. And then on the, on the flip side, which impedes recovery, and on the flip side, if you go below 70 milligrams per deciliter, the glycogen receptors in your muscles shut off. And that means you also cannot recover. So really helping people to optimize the fuels they take when they're not on the bike can help expedite recovery, number one. And then number two, you know, we can at least prevent weight gain. Make sure you're eating you know, the right foods at the right times to stay in zone and be the best of yourself you know, at all times. And you know, that's, that's kind of what we're all about here at Super Savings is helping people to become the best of themselves, right? We're not gonna, you know, you know I, I had great glucose in a, a race a couple of weeks ago. That was, my glucose is fine, but my fitness wasn't. So I got beat, right? It's not, doesn't, there's no miracle here. It takes time, it takes work. It, you, know, you really, if you're gonna invest in this, you need a couple months of observing to where you can really start to make the interventions necessary to be the best of yourself. But 
um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think the, you know, we, we need more people active, right? Here in the States, especially, you know, obesity is on the, the skyrocketing uh, and people don't prioritize activity. So I think what we have in a, a broader digital health terminology is that we've got a tool that validates your decisions. It gives you insights into the impact of your decisions, good decisions like exercise. You're going to be able to eat foods that, and mitigate the spike. I, or days that you don't exercise, you're going to see this big spike from the same type of food. So we can help people really see the value of exercise, see the value of activity, and give you quantifiable data that allows you to prioritize exercise. You know, it's, you know, everyone's busy, you know, between family, work, you know, ex you know, responsibilities, kids, schools, practices, you know, sometimes we just need hard data to validate the investment needed to exercise. And that's what this tool does. It, it gives you the, the, the clearance just to be active and also feel good when you are uh, out there being active. Yeah. You answered a little bit of my next question there, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Can you have different responses to the same food depending on different circumstances? And what do some of those look like? Yeah, 100%. Um, so uh, we've got this phenomenal uh, Mexican cantina right near our office here and in Atlanta. It's called Nuevo Laredo. I think it's the best of anywhere in the world, but I've been challenged. Um, and, you know, for me as a person with diabetes, I have to give about 15 to 18 units of insulin over four injections to be able to get back to normal after this meal. Um, I know it, it's not good for me, but you know, it's, it's one of my vices in life. So I take, we take the team there and we saw like Todd, Todd for my co my president co-founder, you know, his glucose would go to 195 after this exact same meal. So it spike way up and then crash way down and on the crash down started to feel bad. And he knew I wasn't going to give up going to this restaurant. So he had to gamify it and figure out you know, how do I mitigate the spike? So one day he went on a 10 mile run in the morning before one of our planned lunches there. And guess what? This, instead of going to 190, his glucose only went to 118 and they had a very subtle return to normal. So because he was active and did an intense workout that morning, he could even have the same food, but a much tighter range for that food. You know, I, I've seen that for like, you know, and I guess the data that I, you know, personally is that if I give a unit of insulin when I'm off the bike, right, it'll reduce my blood glucose about, you know, 50 to 70 milligrams per deciliter, right? But if I give a unit of insulin when on the bike, you know, it's got four times the power. So that's what kind of where we think about gamifying the fact that exercise needs to happen because, you know, I've seen some people say, I can't eat sushi because it spikes my glucose. And I say, no, no, go get on your Peloton first, you know, go, go do a workout first and then eat sushi. And then they come back to me, Hey, guess what? I did it. And I didn't have a spike. You know? So it's like, yeah, you know, all, all we're doing is, you know, I guess, just proving the value of exercise when it comes to your long-term metabolic health. Mm. And, and it's because exercise is depleting your glycogen stores. So then when you take on more glucose, it has places to go faster and doesn't build up in the blood. Yeah. It's like you're, you kind of, you rev up your metabolism. You know, the more, the more active you are, the quicker metabolism goes to so the, it just, you know, you, your body needs fuel for either, you know, recovery or, you know, in preparation for the next workout, you know, as you, as you empty the muscle glycogen storage, you know, it needs to be refilled. Yeah. Yeah.
How bad for us is it to bonk, which for people that don't know is, is run out of fuel, basically drop your blood sugar below, is it 70 that, that you guys would target for? Like, how bad is that for us? And is it something that we want to like avoid to do for our health, not just because we perform worse as well? Um, that's a, that's a complicated question. Um, you know, there haven't been any health assessments long-term as to, you know, the impact of a bonk. Uh, but we know, you know, that when you go hypoglycemic, there's up to 40% reduction in reaction time. So you could say if like you're climbing up Jebel feet, for example, and you've done that, that a five hour ride and you completely emptied your glycogen sores by the top of Jebel feet and you're hypoglycemic and you start to ride down, you know, you think you, you know, that could be dangerous, right? Mm. The actual fact of going to you know, what I, I've seen when athletes bonk, typically their glucose is at 55 milligrams per deciliter. Um, this is just doing finger sticks on my teammates back in the day when they were you know, on the ground after really, really intense days. And they typically have 50 to 55 on a bonk. Um, and they, we got food over in them. They recovered. You know, I just think to bonk and then do something dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's, you don't want to combine those two things. Mm -hmm. And then we can you also use blood sugar. I mean, it's been known for, for years and years that arresting blood glucose is, is a good sign of health as well. What um, sort of morning readings? Because um, you've got this continuous patch on you all the time, right? Yeah. Um, when it's monitoring things through the night, is it is it showing that your the healthier athletes have a more stable blood sugar through the night, or is that something that's not tying in? Or is it when you wake up and what happens to your nervous system upon waking? Does that then release you know glucose into the blood a little bit more and show a higher stress response, higher inflammation response, or is that something that's happening before we wake up? So I'm thinking for people for like sleep hygiene, but also what they're doing in the mornings and how they're starting their day. Could that be impacting their blood sugar, which is also impacting health as well? Yeah, yeah good, good, good question. Um, so these, these are questions that we really need to a broader scale study to, to answer, right? What we do see is people, when people are more active, they can lower their average glucose. You know, if compare a completely resting person and then take that person, have them exercise five days in a week, you can lower average glucose about five milligrams per deciliter. And so the long-term health impacts um, can only assume that that's going to be a good thing for you uh, long-term. The response in the morning, you know, it's been known in the diabetes community for a lot of years. It's called the dawn phenomenon. You wake up and you see a spike in glucose. Mm. And we didn't really know why, but now that we've got this on a lot more people without diabetes, it's, we see that that dawn phenomenon is, kind of it's consistent amongst everyone and so i think what a lot of people have done is you know for those who used to wake up and eat a big bowl of oatmeal or porridge right the body is insulin resistant once you wake up why we still don't know is it cortisol release is it uh just you know the body's waking up and so hormonal response which causes your muscles and liver to release glycogen again we we don't know uh, it's like we have to get to the bottom of why but if you're insulin resistant and you eat a big carbohydrate meal, you're going to see a massive spike and then a massive crash, right? So what we've seen from a lot of our users uh, is that people will replace that high carb meal with the more protein and uh, protein, protein, fat heavy breakfast to mitigate the spike. And then if they want to do carbohydrates before, you know, um, an event, then it's about timing when you need the carbohydrates. But, you know, what happens to you is different than what happens to me is different than what happens to, every single reader or listener 
to the podcast. Uh, and so it's all about finding out how your body responds. You know, like mm -hmm. that dawn phenomenon, like I have it some days, but I don't have it every day. And so why, you know, is it after training where the body has been like, you really call it rebated the exercise with a lot of food that then the release happens. You know, I still, you know, after all these years, I'm still learning. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really like look into it, how it impacts you. And then you make one change at a time, right? Change to a different meal or change to different type of coffee or different bedtime. And then, you know, and then see what the numbers say. It's really interesting when you take a reading, um, a wake up reading. Sometimes I get excited sometimes. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what it is tomorrow. Because like on a hard day, my a sort of theory behind it is and, and what some of the reading is like, you probably haven't fueled well enough on your harder days. So when you go to sleep, you drop through the night. And then when you wake up, your body's almost in a stress state to begin with because your blood glucose has been low through the night. So then you, like you say, your liver and muscles dump a load of glycogen into the bloodstream to get you going because on some days after hard days my resting glucose is is high it's up in the hundreds yeah. and on other days when it's been an easier day the day before it, it might be down towards the lower 90s and i'm never sure because it's a one snapshot reading whereas yeah. with the continuous you can look at it and go okay here it was through the night look there's a big dip there and then there's a rise there and it's almost like looking at your resting heart rate but it's actually looking at you know what's happening within your within yeah. your blood and it can it can even shape what you're taking reading in the morning or you know the half an hour before you're waking can shape how you're fueling the day before not just what you need to fuel that morning with i think yeah. people are so unaware people think oh, i eat this now therefore it's going only going to impact me now but it's like no what you're eating like even two days ago can be impacting what's happening with your blood biomarkers yeah. now i think that's what's something that's so interesting about your product is we're just getting data like you say that's giving giving us information that we just had no clue of before. And yeah. for some people, even though they're not into the, the performance stuff, even for health, it can share such, such insights for us. Yeah. Does your, with that in mind, does your app sync to uh, like whoop or aura kind of uh, apps as well that have heart rate measurements? So we're, we're, we're playing around with the, the team at aura right now. So we're going to, you know, find a way to, to make some collaboration work there. Um, same, same with whoop <clears throat> early discussions are under, underway. Um, but there's, we're part synced with Apple health, you know, so mm. if you have your data that goes to Apple health for when you slept, then that sleep event will populate into the app. Um, so, yeah. And then we're, it's a company called thrive out of Germany, who is also a data aggregator. And so I think that's soon we're probably going to release that end of the month where, if you have any of your data that goes to Thrive, then we'll get those those events within our app, and that's what that's what we've seen. Like once we did the integration with Training Peaks and the Apple Health, um, you know, it's it's one thing to have an app and have the ability to put in data in, but the more data that can be auto-populated, the easier it is for you to learn. And so we've been really pushing hard on these integrations so that we can just get the info and the insights for consumers that they want for the areas of life that they're looking for. And sleep is obviously a big one of those and exercise uh, is really our core. Uh, so we see the majority of our events, you know, we have two, 200 million data points now on the consumers. Uh, and I think it's 500,000 exercise events, which is great. You know, we've got a, an active community within our users, which I, I truly love. Yeah, yeah. You're almost, you're finishing off the sort of trifecta model of like your sleep must be on point, which we know with like wearables can tell us how well we've slept. 
we have you know every there's so many training apps out there that can tell you how much you've exercised like your, your training peaks your today's plan all that sort of thing and now you know you guys are there almost taking care of the nutrition side of things you know how well are you are you fueling and it's this triangle of performance that you've really like you're definitely a cornerstone of that um when people start to use the glucose monitor it's uh like you said it's like you want to change one thing at a time but what are we seeing to be the most shocking thing for people to see that like what's the biggest myth people are getting wrong with their nutrition and using blood glucose monitors well i, I think the the biggest myth is that the body does it all on its own right and like my my chief science officer dr howard zisser who he pioneered CGM and type one diabetics. Then he pioneered CGM and type two. I tried to recruit him a year and a half ago to the role. And he's, he said, Phil, the non-diabetic athlete is going to stay between 95 and hundred at all times. Like, what am I going to add scientifically? And that's the thought of most, most healthcare professionals in the world. They, they're taught that the non-diabetic body keeps in a very tight range at all times. Well, the data says otherwise, you know, the data, you know, we've seen athletes maintaining that glucose above 200 for eight hours at a time in an Ironman, right? And the physicians of the world you know, would say that's not possible. We have the data and athlete after athlete after athlete that says that it is. So I, I think people are a lot more in control. As you said, you know, the foods you eat, they have an impact, not just today, not just tomorrow, but days into the future. People are a lot more in control of their glucose response than they would pre previously think. You know, most majority of our consumers begin to eat a whole lot more when, when they're active. You know, that's what we see. Because as I said earlier, the stat we have, 45% of people when they come on board are underfueled, you know, during exercise. 45% you know, underfueled. And we see that after one month of data, one month on the system, there's a 20% increase in time spent in the glucose performance zone. So you think it doesn't take a whole lot to fuel better, right? It just takes a little time, a little bit of experimentation. But of, uh, for our population, imagine this. Uh, after 28 days on the Super Sapiens and Abbott LibreSense platform, there's a 20% improvement in time spent in the target zone needed to feel good when you're exercising. So that's probably been the biggest takeaway is just people eat more when they're active. And, you know, and then the recovery... We're still learning a bit more there. We're still playing and testing you know, feasibility studies on the priming, but we know where glucose needs to be during performance. And it's been a you know, phenomenal journey for us to just help so many of our consumers feel better uh, when they're out there being active. Does the app uh, then in real time help you to, to choose your fueling options? So if you have the app open while you're exercising or even afterwards, does it recommend to you what to do? We're not yet a recommendation engine. Okay. Uh, that's definitely in the roadmap for the future. Now, you'll see, uh, like, I've got this, our energy band right here. So, so yeah. You know, and so this, the sensor connects directly to the energy band. And so when I'm riding bikes, I put this on my head unit. If I go on a run, it's on my wrist. And so you can see exactly, you know, when you need to eat, right? So it's not, you know, the old adage in sport, right? Like, I run a professional cycling team. And... Our doctor is on the bus before guys, 70 grams of carbs per hour, which is great. You know, it's on average, that makes sense, but it's not what you eat, but it's when you eat. Cause if you eat when your glucose is going up and your, your fat quickly training up, and then you take a gel, that means you're going to go, it cause an increased insulin spike and then come crashing down, you know? So 
you, there's definitely wrong times to eat when you're exercising. And we just want to help people not just eat the right things, eat what they want. I don't care what nutrition you use, but it's using that nutrition at the right time to help stay in the target zone that uh, you've found, found works best for you. Are there typically, uh, what are the typical or common wrong times to eat when exercising? <clears throat> like 15 minutes before working out. Yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have their you know, last gel or last snack, you know, 15 to 30 minutes before exercising. Okay. And you know, remember when I said insulin's about four times as powerful when it, when active. So if you've put sugar or carbohydrates into your bloodstream before activity and the glucose is starting to go up, your body's beginning to produce insulin. Then you start to exercise and then you see this massive crash right, right at the start of activity. Your body can correct for that. Like you'll produce some glucagon, which will cause glycogen to come out of your muscles and liver into the bloodstream, but you'll have this period of time where you're weak. Right when glucose is dropping, that that's a that those are moments of weakness. When glucose hits the bottom, that's a moment of weakness. You know, it'll respond and it'll come back up. But you know, did you need to be weak at that point? No. If you'd have changed when you primed uh, or what you what you primed with, uh, you can you're very much in control of that. Call it first half hour to hour of you know glucose when out, when out there. We we always know and certainly from the school that I was trained in for sports nutrition and things, we have our uh, like GI index and slow release carbs, fast release carbs. Is that a kind of law that we can, or a rule that we can stick to is, you know, your, your more uh, nutrient dense carbohydrates are going to be slow release. And then your faster sugary carbohydrates are, are high release. Is that what we're seeing in the data as well? Or do people react differently again? Uh, you know, everyone's going to react a little bit differently. Yeah. Just based on who they are, but you know, but the story will hold. I mean, if you have a glass of orange juice, you're going to spike much faster than if you have a plate of pasta, for example. Yeah. Um, so just understanding exactly you know, how foods impact you and when they impact you, I think are critically important. And so, um, the, so the pre the pre exercise meal, which you should be having like two two and a half hours prior to exercise, is actually the the key one. It, it's not the the gel 15 minutes before you start. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because I know, you know, for me as well, uh, something I experimented with lately is, is having just a slow release carbohydrate mix drinking prior to an event. But then I use a gel like last minute before I start. And it's very interesting that, you know, what you say is, is that actually that might not be the right thing to do. So something to definitely uh, experiment with. What else are we seeing that's maybe quite surprising to to consumers when they're let's say for example the standard okay have a gel every 20 minutes you know for someone doing iron man they get used to this gel every 20 minutes um until basically you you finish the race are we seeing that standard advice as being the correct thing or is it really individual on it's just a completely individual thing and you we shouldn't be throwing out these blanket advice blanket terms anymore yeah, it's, it is, it, it is really individual. Now, I mean, if you want to take it to gel every 20 minutes, that's probably going to be okay. Right. Uh, but if your metabolism is a little bit higher, right. If it's, if you're going a little running a little bit hotter than you normally would, you know, maybe it's a gel every 15 minutes, or perhaps you did a really good job fueling, right. And the lead up to the Ironman, you know, perhaps, Perhaps early on, you only need a gel every 20 minutes or excuse me, every 30 minutes. And then later in the race, you might need them every 15 minutes. So it's about like just having this 
call it the visibility to the data so you can optimize you know, for whoever you are on the given day. And I know, you know personally, like my metabolism changes based on the types of exercise that I've done. My response to insulin ch changes based on the amount of days of activity I I've had in a row or, or the amount of rest I've had. So it's just, you know, but you don't actually know until you get out there. You don't know exactly how well fueled you are until you're out there in the, in the thick of it. So just having the insight to make the course corrections and adapt your plan. You know, you look at, you know, we're in the thick of football season here, right? And the quarterback gets to the line, you know, it's time to time to call the play. And then you know, the defense is lined up differently. They call an audible, right? So having the glucose sensing, having the data, your CGM data in front of you when you're exercising gives you the authority to call an audible based on the reality of the situation right now. And that you can only really know that with continuous glucose monitoring and your app. Yes. Interesting. That's why it's such a great, great tool for you to use. I'm going to change tact a little bit here because I think we're such in a data-driven day and age. And, you know, especially within running, we get this real bounce back of go on the trails, run without a watch, just enjoy life. Don't worry about what the data is saying. You've used this all your life, maybe it's a bit different to you because you've had to with being, um, you know, a diabetic, but, well, you've used this since 2006. So a long, long time monitoring your glucose. At what point should people try and get away from the data or not say at what point, how do you disconnect from the data at times and just let go, have fun, be free? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a good question. Um, cause you know, for 10 years after I stopped racing professionally, I guess nine years, actually, I didn't ride with a bike computer, you know, no, mm. no, no Strava, no Zwift, no computer. I just, I went and I, I came home and I loved it. Uh, that freedom, people were talking Watts. I'm like, I, I don't care about Watts. I just, can I hold the wheel and can I win the sprint, right? Those were the two things that, that mattered. But since getting the glucose data on a bike computer, then I was like, ah, now I have to have this computer because it's the most important data said I've ever seen. And yeah. now I'm addicted to power and Strava and, you know, it's winter time is coming. So I'll be back on, you know, my Wahoo kicker here on Zwift in the, in the near future, but you don't need this for life or death. Right. So I think for, and what we're seeing with our, our consumers, like if you've got a training, a race, you know, three months away that you want to optimize for, put it on for three months. Yeah. You know, and really fine tune so that you don't like if you've set a goal, you've told your, your spouse or partner or friends that I have this goal and I'm working towards it, why leave anything to chance, right? So use it up until that point. And then you know what, when the race is over, yeah, I'd say disconnect, you know, go out and on some runs without a watch, go out, you know, forget the sensor, just, but those lessons that you learn in those three months, they're definitely going to carry value to you in the next three months, even if you're not wearing it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, ex we don't expect everyone to be on the product you know, 12 months out of the year. Uh, yeah. But if we can help someone for a four month sprint to get ready for you know, a big target they have, or maybe it's, maybe you're a lot more longer term planner. And it's like, I've got my first Ironman is eight months away and I want to finish it. If that's, that's a, that's a very brave goal for anyone to say, I want to finish an Ironman. It's, those events are crazy. Uh, the swim, the bike, the run as independent events, they're all insane. Then you combine them together. I mean, that's you don't want to leave something to chance. So, you know, 
I'm all about being free. Uh, I love taking email vacations. It's been a little harder in the past couple of years. Um, and the sure stuff. But at some point here soon, I'd say, yes, disconnect when you can, go be free and just enjoy exercise for the sake of exercising. But you'll be a lot more effective than that if you had some nutritional lessons along the way via real data. Yeah, yeah. So you get this, uh, you get this little white disc, it looks like on the back of your arm and it's not for life is what you're saying. How long do they typically last for? And what's the procedure with fitting them and, and taking them out? Yeah, so it's, you, just, you see it right there. It's, the sensor lasts 14, up to 14 days. Okay. And you know, we developed this overpatch because you know, in the early days, you know, I'd never had adhesion problems, but as we started putting on the US Olympic swim team, you know, mm. after four days, the sensors were falling off. Like, I used okay. to lose them in the pool all the time. So we got the overpatch, which helped solve for that. Um, and it's, it's fairly easy. You just two, screw two pieces together. There is a needle, right? So if you're scared of needles, just heads up. But the needle goes in and then retracts immediately. So you just press it on. It's kind of like a finger prick going in. Uh, you put it on the upper arm and then it goes in. Needle comes out and this very small filament stays in your body for 14 days. And then you pull it off and basta, you're done. And uh, just for the scientists listening, valid and reliable? Yes. So it's the most accurate 14-day sensor on, on market. Um, it's based off the same technology that currently 3 million people with type 1 diabetes use you know, to dose insulin you know, for glucose management on a daily basis. Mm. So, you know, and, then the way, and then how does your service work? Are you on a subscription model that you basically subscribe to it and then you get sent a new sensor every what, week or 14 days? So right, right now, our, our big focus has been these training packs. Like to your point, your prior question of, you know, what about getting free from the data? So we've been selling a lot of, you know, 10-week training packs or 14-week training packs. Um, we also have a monthly subscription plan. So we send you a new one, you know, two new sensors every month. Um, but, you know, less shipping is always better. So if we can, you know, get you a quarterly box or something like that, that's going to make it you know, better for the environment, which we also mm -hmm. care about. Yeah. So that's quite nice as well. And you, you have that sort of time on and time off um, availability. It's not like you sign up and then you think, oh, I'm going to get one of these for the, forever for the rest of my life. You can, you can hop on and off if you like. Um, and then when you're sort of on and your data is, is heading into the app, I'm sure some people would want the, you can upload that data. So it connects to training peaks. Can you also share the data from the app to your coach who's maybe not on Training Peaks? Is there other ways of doing that? Yeah, so we're we've kind of got a beta version of a dashboard launched out there, uh, and so we we see the coaching community as one of our uh, most important communities. Um, and so, yeah, the dashboard will be such that a coach could look at you know, 20, 30, 50 athletes at one time um, and see how all the data is going. Yeah. There's obviously a huge room for, for growth there and hopefully coaches know what they're actually doing and can help give good advice on, on what the athlete needs to be, yeah. needs to be doing. Yeah, to, to, get, to become one of the users of the, you know, the dashboard, then we, we do have an educational it's called a Super Sapiens University. We put about 60 coaches through so far uh, and we'll be looking to call it, simplify that experience so we can help educate more coaches more faster. Yeah, and I know you guys have a, a load of sports scientists on board your program as well. So I'm sure your your information is is really well researched and yeah. and sort of put through the ringer, if you like, in terms of being critiqued and things. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's, we never want to put something out that you know, we'd later have to pull down. Right. So we're, we're big on feasibility testing uh, with a small group of users. Um, we've got a number of clinical trials going with key research institutes around the world. And yeah, it's science, science is science, right? It's got to be done. You know, we've got to do it the right way. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot that we know. Uh, there's a whole lot more that we also have questions now. Like the data has led us to a new set of questions, which we have to go validate and learn. I mean, we're, as I said, the, the data that we're seeing is different than anything we would have ever expected. So we've had to reshape our minds for how we take that information and, you know, make it a digestible learning for, you know, the everyday consumer. Uh, so we're, we've come a long ways, but we still have a good ways to go as a company until we've, you know, solved for all the gaps that are currently out there. Mm. And you're unfortunately not yet here in the UAE. Where is there a timeline on that? Or is it better not to ask? <laughs> or then we'll have it just ask. Yeah, we're, the, the success uh, in EU has been really strong. And, and so there's, we're looking at market expansion and, you know, I've seen called the passion for, you know, exercise and all the tracks that you now have all over the, the UAE um, to just make it easy for people to exercise whenever they want to exercise. Mm. Uh, I forget which one it was, it's the, I think it was a 30K track and I was riding there in the middle of the daytime and then again in the middle of the night. And it's just, what a, you know, I love the way the government's thought about just making it simple, build it and they will come. Mm. So UAE is definitely on our target list. Uh, when I don't know, uh, but as soon as possible, I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. And let's say, so for example, for me, I have a, a shop and ship account, which means I can ship from anywhere around the world to, to an address here in the UAE. Would that work? There's no like uh, government or location restrictions on using the app. So you, as long as you get your hands on the actual hardware, you could use the software. The app is currently only available in uh, the, the EU. Okay. For you, Tom, as you're such a, you know, call it, you know this inside and out, and you've been gamifying it with yourself with the finger stick test in the morning. So I'd be happy to put you on the clinical trial uh, so you could get your hands on it in advance of anyone else in the UAE. There you go. <laughs> Um, but just thinking for for other users, then just go to the go to the website and keep an eye out on when it does get yeah. when it does get launched here. And I, I am on your, currently on your website right now, and you've got some great infographics on there that that show the power of what what your tool can use. Because I'm sure some people listening to this thinking I don't, I'm still stuck on what the word um, hypo <laughs> or hyper yeah. means. Yeah. But uh, they can head over to supersapiens.com and, and have a look on there. And then I think yeah, hopefully it's not too long before your before you're launched here and, and we see kind of the next, the next phase of what people are going to get from their exercise, which, you know, a long time ago, it was just all about getting out exercising and for the brain. And then we learned what it does for mental health. Then we started to understand what the you know performance can do and how performance within exercise can drive your performance in business and life. And, and now it's coming back around full circle is like, okay, yeah, you're doing all this amazing exercise, but how are you fueling it? And how is that affecting you day to day? Cause one thing I know is when I'm aware of, what my blood sugar is doing, I can not just manipulate my exercise performance, but I can also manipulate how alert I am in the day. You know, what, what makes me crash? What do I need to be on switched on for work things? And when you want to have energy and things like that. And it, it's such a powerful tool. That I think everybody should be aware of because it's something that everybody has. There's no one out there who isn't affected by their blood sugar. Yep. That's uh, I, I love, I love your thinking. <laughs> I happen to agree with you.
Excellent. Phil, thank you so much for coming on. As I just mentioned, guys, head to supersapiens.com. It will tell you if you're in the UAE, it will send you over to the EU website, which is absolutely fine. There's loads of great information on there. But uh, wherever you are in the world, you just get onto supersapiens.com and, and have a read. And I think you can get lost in this website for a good hour. I know I did. <laughs> awesome. We're going down the, the diving of the research and the different athletes that use it. And uh, yeah, Phil, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing that information. It's a pleasure, Tom. And uh, hopefully we're on a bike ride together in, in the UAE here soon. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to sort that out, get you over here in the new year. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Phil. Cheers.